And we are back with another edition of the Daily Dots and joined, as always, by the Brain Trust, Mr. Chase Taylor. And uh, <clears throat> the, the Super Bowl of data, or the Super Bowl week of data is over, but the data kept no, I'm rolling. still tired. Yeah, yeah he's, he, was, he was working around the clock, folks. Um, got some more data out today. Um, I will continue to be amazed at how stocks don't care about interest rates anymore. Uh, NASDAQ finished down 0.2, 0.16. NASDAQ was down like a quarter of a point, something like that. Yeah, s and down about 0.3 and a little over 0.1 for NASDAQ. Uh, small caps down 0.7. Oh, no, so one point, about 1.3 for, for small caps. So rates are back to being bad for small caps, but they're no longer, they're not really bad for the rest of the market. Yeah, and our ARC uh, down 3%, so even worse than small caps today. Yeah. Um, what about data we got today? It seemed very hot on the surface. Kind of give us a breakdown on that. Yeah, so we had services ISM, which kind of followed up manufacturing ISM, strong, above expectations. And of note, inside both, the, the prices paid component um, up like about seven points on both of them. So that is not at all looking uh, disinflationary. All, all of a sudden now it's just one month, but and it's just PMI, you could say. But to see those prices paid like really rip higher and, and knowing that it's not with energy ripping higher, that tells you you either have excess demand type markets or maybe the maybe the freight stuff, think, thanks to the Red Sea, is like actually starting to be felt a little bit. Um, either way, not disinflationary, not, not inflation victory lap territory by any means. Um, we also got the, the senior loan officer survey for to kind of figure out what bank lending conditions are. That has definitely backed off a little bit from the hardcore tightness, I would say. You're still seeing tons of headlines where people don't understand the way the thing is is done, the way we discussed at the last quarterly sleuths. But even even with that being said, as a caveat, um, I, I think part of the reason bank lending standards were so tight was just like everyone else, they expected to have a recession and didn't get it. Um, so you are seeing some, probably the big banks, especially kind of loosen up and, and give some more money out, but they're also saying like, there's still like very low demand for credit. So, uh, I think that is the kind of thing that will just like the economy itself follow financial conditions. So if you see stocks and bonds go down for a month or two, that thing will tighten back up. You know, it's something that we were talking about in the, in our meeting today, our Monday meeting, um, and this is something you know I've been talking about for a long time, and we're not the only ones talking about it. But I do think that it's important to look at, discuss, be aware of the market economy dynamic right now. You know, like everybody has always said, and it's always the case, and it's always true, that the market and the economy are not the same thing. Um, in the past, that logic was usually meant to explain the phenomena where – a lot of times markets will turn before data does in recoveries. At least when that's been my experience where people are going, man, it's still bad out there. Why are stocks? You're like, well, yep. cause they're down to 11 times earnings, man. And the worst is priced in and it's the stock market. It's not the economy. We want to look where it's going. That's usually when I started off in the industry, you know, you heard a lot of that. I understand that. Um, and so I'm not speaking to that. What I'm speaking to is, is I think those, I think the relationship is similar, but I think it's reversed. Meaning, I don't think financial conditions 
are preceding anymore are front running uh, economic conditions, if that makes sense, right? Like, so basically that argument that I was just talking about is him saying that, listen, markets look for or forward looking, they're going to front run economic conditions, right? Granted, it's the way it should work. I get that. Okay. I think that relationship still exists, but I think there's a lot of proof pointing to the fact that financial conditions are still front running economic conditions, but financial conditions are making economic conditions improve as opposed to economic conditions making financials improve. Yeah. And if you think about, and it makes perfect sense if you really start thinking about the way this whole thing's constructed. Um, If you don't have much debt in your economy, that really doesn't work out that way. But But when you have a shocking amount of debt, that debt equals income for consumers, you know, if, if, if the fed has interest rates of five and a half and they're paying over five on T bills, that is all private sector income. So with high debt and high rates, it's, it's in that way, stimulative. Um, so yeah, if you get, if you put a bunch of money in consumers pockets through that channel and through just equity prices moving higher, they're going to consume a bunch more. So you get this thing where, Financial conditions called asset prices are sort of the engine and the economy is the caboose. Granted, like you said, there are still times where the real economy is going to um, accelerate and bring earnings with it and thus bring asset prices with it. So it went from like a very simple relationship to a, a much more complex one where they impact each other in, in, in interesting ways. They can They can bring each other higher. They can bring each other lower. One can drive more than the other at times. But, you know... We've never really seen anything like this where just you can pump asset prices and it dramatically impacts the real economy in a way that we that we do now. And I think I, I think that this can be fair and you can stop me and disagree if you don't if you don't agree, but I, I think well, I don't think, at least from my perspective, that was one of the reasons that we made that fourth quarter call. Really it, it was more 100%. of your urging was we were adjusting to this whole line of thinking ourselves and we're like, okay. We think this makes all the sense in the world. And if we're correct, this should be what happens in the first quarter. It, it, what, we're not grandstanding, taking victory laps, going, oh, we're the ones that knew it. We were sitting there saying it was almost like an experiment for, on our side, right? Like, hey, we think this is happening. If this is happening, we should see this in the first quarter. Boom, here it is. Yeah. And so we keep looking at it. These are almost like test cases for us that we've looked at many different ways, and they keep coming up like this. The other thing I wanted to bring up, too. Was whenever I get into opaque, and it's not just in this, well, this is probably a form of just maturity, hopefully. I hope my wife doesn't hear this episode. (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, (laughs) But a a, a form of maturity in the business in the sense that, um, you know, you're in it longer. You're more, you're less susceptible to jumping to conclusions. You know, you want to see things play out. You want to, you want to, uh, you want to know all the data you can and, and you want to know what's concrete. And so when I, when I, and, and I do this in my personal life, I do it with business, I do it with investing. Whenever I'm really looking at opaque situations, I always tell myself, okay, what, what do I know? Let's put, let's clear the table. Let's, I know there's a bunch here that I don't know, but what do we know for sure? Right. And let's kind of rebuild the blocks, right? Start from there. Um, one of the things I think we know, universally speaking is that this economy is more financialized than it's ever been. And you see it in debt. You see it in the types of different debt you can get. You see it in how much more of the economy 
is debt financed as opposed to where it was even 20 years ago, right? And I think it's just, I think anybody with any type of financial knowledge would all agree that we've never been more financialized, okay? Well, in a financialized market like that, it also makes sense that what is the biggest driver of economic activity? Financial prices, right? 100%. And what does monetary policy, what have we learned that monetary policy targets more than anything else? Financial prices, asset prices, right? So when you look at it all, I don't think that we're really saying something that's controversial. I think it's Occam's razor. We may, it's possible we end up being wrong. But when you look through at that lens, every, you know, we keep talking about this, guys. And, and you probably, you guys keep talking about, especially Zach, keep talking about looking at things through different lenses. Well, that's because, you know, you may not realize it, but this is a very unique historical economic setup. And I think having constantly checking, if you're looking at it through the right lens, is imperative. 100%. Right? And you need to be constantly challenging that thesis to make sure you're not off. You know, because being off in this environment could be extraordinarily expensive. Yeah. On either side. Exactly. Right? I think both tails are just massively fat right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I just, I feel, I feel the need to tail hedge both tails. Exactly. At the same level of, 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 you know what I mean? The same level of intensity. And, and it's not, it's not even like a, I don't know which is going to happen, which is, which is also true, but it's, it's a, you can easily paint a very vivid picture for why you can have the violent move up or the violent move down in both the real economy and the financial markets. It, it is, it goes back to like, I was talking about the jobs data where like I can give you a 10 slide presentation to convince you that it's bulletproof and, and one that, that it's imminently going to crash. You could, you could do the same thing for, I feel like for the economy and for markets I and, and they're, and they're both believable. So now like, and I think I, and I, and, and furthermore, look, I, I think that you can use, you know, Look, I think that there are more arguments, especially in historical context, for, for something bad happening. But let's say we limit it to give us your bull argument and the 10 reasons why. You don't need to fudge the 10 reasons. No, exactly. You don't have to be a Pollyanna to come up with the 10 reasons, right? Now, the question is, is tug of war, which one wins? And when? I <laughs> they both win Yeah, the I'm, next two years. I am still leaning to the recessionary side, but ever so slightly. I, look, even me, guys, you know, like we were, well, I was saying what we were talking about at our investment meeting this morning. And I was like, look, I think we're right at that cusp of I've said all along, if this does not end in recession at some point in, in the, like, I'm not talking like four years from now, if this doesn't end in recession at some point in the next 12, I think we've, I think I've said that in the next 12 to 18 months, we're going to change the way we manage money. Um, we're on the cusp of changing the way we manage money. Exactly. Not drastically, just changing some of the tools we use and some different things. but. Um, because I just I don't I don't see any signs that this thing's about ready to roll over. No, and and there there are so so the reason it looked like we could have a recession largely were we knew we were like in a freight recession, an earnings recession, a manufacturing recession. All three of those are ending. Like that that's clear now. Could they could they only be ending for three months or something? Sure, like that's always possible. But they are all clearly bottoming. Um and, and we've talked a lot about the leading economic indicators. Um, and obviously that, that kind of means a bunch of stuff we look at. And it also means literally the leading economic indicators as put forward um, as an index. And if you kind of 
it's funny because that's leading indicators, but you can figure out things that lead the leading indicators, the lead of a lead. And those are telling you very strongly at the moment, oh, leading indicators are going to turn around and go up now. Now, that requires those the lead of the lead to keep moving higher, but it, it's like three or four months in a row. That lead of the lead has moved up, and it started to move up violently this month, which tells me, okay, well, the leading indicators, they've bottomed. Like, we're, we're moving higher from here. I, well, and, and here's the deal. Here's the other thing that we were talking about. Uh, two months ago, maybe even a month ago, I would have told you I thought the odds of this were as close to zero as possible. I don't know what they are now, but they are certainly not zero of the Fed potentially needing to hike again before this cycle is over. It's definitely not zero. No, it's not zero. It's priced that way. They've pivoted, but it's still not zero. With the data heating up the way it is, you got, and this, this is the situation that we were yelling at the Fed for, or I was for the last year and a half. And I think we're getting there where they're getting painted into a corner and here's the corner they're in. If they don't cut this year, there's going to be problems. Uh, maybe they're not big enough to throw the entire economy in recession. I think they are. I could easily be wrong. I am less sure of my stance today than at any other point in the last six months. Um, but they've got an interesting proposition right now. And and, and people are like, you don't know that. Yes, I do. The, the spreads and the change, it's the change of pace on rates. Whenever things are coming up for refinancing, the vast majority of them are going to have problems if rates are still at these levels. It should book it. That We know that. Let's put that in the category of things we know, Okay. You got a situation where when you look at monetary legs and all you really need to do, my, I was talking to my buddy that, that, that is the real, the real estate, the commercial real estate broker, you know, you get reports there, right? That will, you target an area and it'll tell you what the terms of, of all the loans are around you. And then when those buildings come up, you can just walk through the terms and see when the term expires and know, okay, they're going to have a problem. Yeah. Right. So that's really interesting because the fed needs structurally to cut this year. Yeah, for the banks, for real estate. Yeah, for all those things. Yep. At the same time, data's reaccelerating. And this is where we said, you jack around with this too long, and you're going to get into this scenario where the thing you have to do, the thing you have to do is the thing that is bringing into for the thing you've been trying to avoid all along, right? Meaning if inflation's reaccelerating into this, you might be forced to, hike again, like I still don't think they will, right? I I, I think the odds are long, but I think the odds are higher than they were 30 days ago, right? Whatever that means. But you get a situation where you're going, man, you you guys could be in a fix. You could be in a fix. We're not there yet, but I think it it sure looks like it's heading that way. Plus, I I think it's it's funny that everybody's reading this as all this beautiful synchronized soft landing where I'm sitting there going at the moment, this looks to me like the fed and a fed could be in a pickle here in a few months. I mean, to me, I've always viewed the soft landing as the ultimate threat. Like, (laughs) so to me, like, yeah, we could absolutely be, we could be to the point where the data suggests, uh, you guys should probably hike again. But the other thing that would be to me would be worse, but is similar is that the economy and the data and asset prices are all hot. But just just having short rates up at f- over five is enough to start really hitting real estate, private equity, small banks, people that people that have small companies, even anyone that's tied to floating rate or short term debt that has to refi into it. So you could have a situation where you have a financial fire, despite the fact that the real economy is fine. Let's say like, like what do they do? And not to mention the, the federal budget, but 
what do you do if like the federal if you're having like stress in government auctions so like we really need to get rates down for the for the government and you're having uh decent sized private equity firms having real trouble if you're having small banks have trouble small businesses have trouble all because you know short term interest rates are still really high and higher than everyone thought they would be you know they call it third quarter of this year and inflation is let's say inflation's made its way back up to where it looks more like it's annualizing at three and a half instead of two. Clearly not a target. So you, you, what I'm saying, well, the, the, what I'm trying to pick, uh, the, the picture I'm trying to paint here is one where the Fed really needs to cut rates and, and they almost have to because of financial stuff. Mm-hmm. But yet and growth and inflation are basically, you know, way too hot to do that. So you could literally get into a situation where growth and, in, and inflation are accelerating and they have to cut anyway. That's like the ultimate, like what happens that next thing in my mind that is just a, a really ugly scenario. For well, and, people, and it's not impossible. No, it's not impossible at all. And I think the odds of it are increasing. And for people that sit there and wonder why, you know, guys like us say what we do and, you know, what, what do you mean we have to have recessions? You, because of this, exactly. Right? Them avoiding a recession is opening the door to an outcome that's far worse. Right. And, and I'll even go further out on the, on the scale and say it, we know that we will have to endure or stomach a result that is much worse at some point in the future. That that's unavoidable, right? That's completely unsustainable what we're doing, but, but like, again, you know, that could be 50 years away. I I mean, I wouldn't think it's that far away, but certainly could be. Um, and, And this is the, this is the pernicious nature because if you look at what they need, and we've said this for a while, but it's really true. You know, you need, you need a mild recession. Thank you. At least an asset price one. Right. I mean, it's just so crazy to me. And, you know, it's like everything else in life. When you want only the upside and none of the downside, you're going to end up with all of the downside and none of the upside yeah, eventually. Exactly. And, and it, they just are not going to swallow that pill. As long as the magic money machine works, you know, they're going to believe they're a hammer and everything in the world is a nail. The problem is they're dealing with some Phillips head screws right now. And the money printer ain't going to help this. If anything, it's going to make it worse. Right. And I don't know. I, I, I guess I wouldn't. Yeah. You know what? I, I guess I can say that. I hope they get in that pickle just because I think I don't hope that people have bad financial outcomes. I I'm just a big fan of taking the medicine as soon as you can. Right, because I mean, at the end of the day, that saves you from the the worst the financial pain. outcomes, right? Yep, yep. And I'm just like, hey, which, which to me is like, why like they should be taking the jolt higher and, and asset prices way more serious. Take some ownership of that and do something about it. Because well, if, if they disparity. find themselves if they find themselves in the in the in the situation I, I painted that that really awful situation for everybody, you, you could easily look back on it and be like, well, man, if we hadn't pumped asset prices with our liquidity policy. Like we probably wouldn't be here. Like there's a lot of economists and commentators on Bloomberg and stuff that seem really confused why the econ- the economy is ripping right now. I, I had a tweet, or a quote tweeted Lisa Abramowitz was talking about some economists. Like she had a chart of the economic surprise index just ripping. Like yeah, like no kidding. Like go back and look at how much wealth you added to the economy in Q4. It was stunning. Like I, and I caught myself on this where like I'm sitting here trying to figure out you know if excess savings is 300 billion or 800 billion. Who cares? Like we added seven trillion dollars in wealth in Q4. Like there's no point in arguing over hundreds of billions here and there. Like 
you, you jack up someone's 401k like that, they can buy some stuff. Yeah. They, Even if it's not liquid, they're still going to do it. Yeah. Well, and then I, who's I talking to? And they're more liquid than you think. Well, I was talking to those, I was having those conversations with real estate agents and yeah. they were telling me that they're seeing more and more and more people buying with securities accounts loans. So, so loaning against their stock portfolios and they're getting better rates doing that than they are through home loans. It is the perfect encapsulation of what we're talking about. Right. The over-financialization, that some, and she brought that up to me without me saying a word about it. She was like, well, you guys run a money management firm. She's like, you know, you can get a good point, point and a half lower, just getting low. And I go, she goes, oh yeah, we got people doing that all the time. And I sat there and went, aha. Yeah. There's the transmission mechanism. Right? It's like a, a direct flight. Right. So if you want to know what we're talking about, about financial conditions, helping the real economy, right. Go look at how much uh, 401k and account balances went up the second half of last year. They can borrow that much more money against it. Right. And that's where this thing can become very self-reinforcing where. We're there. I mean, that's yeah, what's happening. Exactly. Man. So you keep getting mag seven stocks going higher than people are richer. They can spend more. They can spend more than the earnings for mag seven go higher. And like this, it just becomes a out of control feedback loop. Yeah. And what's fascinating about this guys is again, I don't think we're at that out of control. Like with those, well, no, you'll, you'll know, <laughs> yeah, you'll know, but, but, but watch this because this could end up being like how to build the ultimate bubble one-on-one, meaning it always involves these feedback loops and they always appear at the beginning to be like, well, what could go wrong? Well, just think about that, right? Right? More and more people. It, what's funny is you actually have the impetus for that happening, right? We, meaning the Fed may not be able to cut rates anywhere close to as many times they wanted this year. So that would reinforce people using, you know, uh, asset-backed loans, right, for, for their securities accounts, which, right, pushes more money into the economy, which pushes stock prices higher, and then it feeds on itself to a point where it doesn't, and then boom, right? Because – those asset prices are not where they're at because of their economic productivity. They're at where they're at because of some unstable uh, um, um, reinforcing loop. And when the reinforcing loop stops, you get the opposite every time, right? So anyway, what else we got coming up this week? What else were you keeping an eye on? So tomorrow, there's basically no data, um, like literally. And then Wednesday, we'll get- You're not even going to know what to do with yourself. It's, I might actually get some writing done, which would be nice. Weird. Um, my, my clients would certainly appreciate it. Um, and then Wednesday, uh, we get mortgages. Um, that's one other thing Wednesday, but pretty light until we get kind of late in the week. And it's even then it's just kind of a, a light week with thankfully after the, the monster that was last week. And then we have some a decent amount of earnings again this week. Yeah, but yeah, it'll be, you know what? I am interested to see what some of these earnings look like. I think it'll be, I think it'll be. There's a couple companies that I'm looking at that I think are interesting. Speaking of, let, we're about halfway through earnings, and what was expected? Now we always beat expectations. Let's let's start there. But what was oh, what was expected was 1.2 percent earnings growth. At last check, we're at five, over five percent earnings growth. So we are smashing. Well, we're smashing, but you've got to and on the revenue side, it's beating. But yeah, but when the Meg Sevens are when the big tech, well, they're doing the work. But no, they're lifting all the weight. You always have to look at it, in my opinion, with those numbers and without those numbers. But yeah, I will say that I didn't think so far, at least. Now, I think in the back half of this year, I do think that there's going to be an issue. Uh, just the earnings have outpaced it. Um, I, I got to be honest with you. As far as earnings go, the only one that was really impressive to me was Meta. Um, you know, everybody was excited about Microsoft. I didn't really get it. I, I Like I looked at their earnings. They, they were good. 
but you've got a $3.2 trillion company trading at 14 times revenue. I mean, at when point is it? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, this is crazy even hearing I didn't that think there was, every time. Yeah, I didn't think there was anything wrong with their earnings. Don't get me wrong. But if I was a shareholder and it was at this valuation, I wouldn't be excited about those earnings. I don't think those earnings come even close to justifying the current valuation. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Meta, on the other hand, was, and I was sort of expecting that, and I'm still ticked. We, I forgot to, yeah, I just, I was dumb. So now that my phone's working, I'll tell you the rest. Consumer credit will get Wednesday. Um, that will be, that would actually be interesting. Jobless claims, of course, Thursday. Um, and then we'll get revisions to CPI on Friday, which is probably the biggest deal of the week. Um, that that will that will have a lot to do with the way the Fed presses forward. So if you get oh, it wasn't near as much inflation as we thought, the Fed can be like, whatever, let's let's get some cutting going here, and vice versa. If they're like, whoops, like inflation was higher than we thought, then the Fed will be like, cool, we'll see y'all in the second half of the year. I I have a feeling that that CPI is going to come in lighter. No clue. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even going to take a stab. I'm waiting. Yeah, I, don't, I, I don't. I have zero conviction on that. Um, I just think that there's, I think that there's weird stuff going on in the way CPI is coming out, and I do not know enough to say what it is. I just, I just cannot get over believing that there isn't something weird going on with CPI, and I think it might be one of those things that maybe we don't know for a year or two. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, which is not uncommon. Yeah, just where there was something that was distorting it. That's my, I mean, I, again, very little conviction. Don't take that to the bank. So some of the big earnings we have this week is, uh, at, I'll start it with tomorrow, but Eli Lilly, Snapchat, that should be a great time. Um, Ford, Chipotle, Hertz, BP, Spotify. So some big names, some, I guess, some industrials with DuPont. Uh, Wednesday, Wednesday looks boring. I'd be interested to PayPal, see Hertz. Uber, D- I'd be, Disney. I'll be interested to see Hertz results. Yeah, that'll be especially with what they've had to do with the EV side. It'll be kind of interesting. It'll also give you a good gauge on the whole vacation stuff too. Yeah, speaking of, speaking of, you have Expedia on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Harley Davidson can sometimes be a little bit interesting for the consumption side. I'll tell you. I'll tell you something that I have noticed. Book, booking a couple family vacations out in the future. Prices are down. That's moderated. Well, we're going to Disney next month, and it didn't get cheap. Let me tell you that. No, it didn't. <laughs> I, well, go. I, we're going next month too. When are you going? Oh man, I'd have to look calendar. I'm not good at that thing. We might have to do some. Are you going to California though? No, no, no. We're we're going to Orlando. Oh, so are we? So my dad lives there, so we're going to go hang out with the fam and and let 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 the little one go see Minnie and and then we'll meet every every day at 3 p.m. to do the, the dots, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, of course. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We might be able to get together for a couple dots. We'll we'll do some solos, but might be able to keep the dot, you know, get together for a day or two. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, we do it for the people. It's for, it's for the kids. It's always for the kids, man. Uh, what else? We So that's about it, though, right? Yeah. Well, all righty. We'll cut her off there. All right, you guys. Well, let's keep an eye. Keep taking this journey with us. We'll see where it goes. I It's getting crazier and more fascinating by the day, but it sure isn't boring. May you live in interesting times. We can certainly check that box. So anyway, we'll see you tomorrow. We'll be back. Same place, same time. Have a great evening. And uh, as always, subscribe. If you listen, if you like it, subscribe. Helps us out. Doesn't cost anything. Doesn't make us any money. It helps us get better people on for the show and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, have a great day. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. 
The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.